Well, when I left you several weeks ago, we had just dipped our toe into the 36th chapter of Isaiah. And I said to you at that time that I wanted to slow down a little and look at some of the passages of scripture in the historic books of the Bible that correspond with the history of Isaiah chapters 36 through 39, which are a, a historic interlude in the story of Isaiah. Those corresponding passages are found in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament. So this morning I was reading in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and this verse, verse 33, it jumped out to me there. It says, they feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods. That seems to make no sense whatsoever. And yet it perfectly describes the tension that we as followers of God find ourselves in very often. It was during the Assyrian conquests of the 8th century BC. That was the time that Isaiah lived and ministered. It was during that period in the 8th century BC that the nation of Israel, that is the northern kingdom of Israel, because after King Solomon, David's son, reigned as king in Israel, after him, during the reign of, I believe it was Rehoboam, his son, the nation was divided in two. So you had the 10 tribes in the north that are commonly referred to as Israel and the two and a half tribes or so in the south that are called Judah. So the northern kingdom of Israel in the 8th century BC at the time that Isaiah lived and ministered, it was dispersed and scattered throughout the Assyrian empire. And what I have often referred to as the Assyrian relocation program when I've taught on these passages, the Assyrians would conquer people in, say, the, the nation of Syria or in the great city-states of Hamath and Sepharvaim, and they would relocate the people of those other places, of those cities, to other places so as to get rid of their culture, basically, to homogenize the culture and to absorb them into the Assyrian Empire, to scatter them among different people groups. So the people in the region of ancient northern Israel, they were relocated to other parts of the Assyrian Empire when they were conquered by the kings of Assyria, and they became the lost tribes of Israel at that time. And then other peoples were brought with their religious practices and their idols to the northern portion of the land of Israel, to that part of the world, that geographic location. And ultimately, there was this intermixing of the peoples and the customs of people from other places and the people that were left over there in the area of Israel or what was called Samaria. The capital city of the northern nation of Israel was Samaria. And eventually, as there was this intermixing of peoples and customs and cultures, they came to be known as the Samaritans. If you've ever read the Gospels, then you've probably remember hearing or reading about the Samaritans and the people of Israel. There was a lot of animosity between them at the time of Christ. So there was a convergence of the worship practices of these people from other places and the people of Israel who had that connection to God, to Yahweh. So ultimately, the people of Samaria, after the Assyrian conquest, they feared the Lord, as 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33 says, they feared the Lord, or Yahweh, but they also worshipped foreign deities with names like Sakoth Binoth, which means 
the tabernacle of daughters. I'm sure that you could use your imagination of what the worship practices of Sakoth Banoth must have been like at the tabernacle of daughters. Or they served the Akkadian god Nergal or the goddess Ashima. So there came to be kind of a pantheon of deities that were worshipped by the people in that area. They feared the Lord, but they served their own gods. God became just another god among the gods. And the fact is that that really is still going on today. We have a lot of people in a melting pot culture like we have here in the United States and North America throughout Western Europe, really. We have all kinds of people who have some connection to the church, so to speak. They may even, on a regular basis, go to church on Sunday. They fear the Lord, but they value and they trust in and are devoted to all kinds of different modern-day idols in society. The idols or gods of power and pleasure, prestige, possessions, prosperity, etc., etc., etc. These are the these are the gods that were served and worshipped millennia ago. They, they had names at that time, like, you know, the names of these Akkadian deities and so forth. But they were, they were things that had to do with pleasure or they had to do with power or they had to do with prosperity, all kinds of different things. Now, we don't have the same names, but we have the same fundamental things that people are devoted to or that they value, that they give their lives to or trust in. So we end up having divided allegiances, idolatry like the Samaritans 2,800 years ago. And from time to time among the people of Israel, a reviving or reforming king would rise up. Like in the book of Isaiah, for the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, that reviving or reforming king was Hezekiah. We'll, we'll find out more about him as we go through Isaiah 36 through 39. And so these reviving and reforming kings would arise and they would turn the hearts of the people back to God and away from idols and this turning of the people away from idols and back to God. This is fundamentally what repentance is. What is repentance? It is or can be the removal of the high places and the altars of devotion and worship to anything that is not God. And this repentance and reformation is something that we have to engage in sometimes regularly because it is very easy for us to slide into the worship of idols. It is easy for us to begin to value trust in and be devoted to the same sort of things that all of the people around us value, trust in, and devote, are devoted to. So sometimes I think that the challenging circumstances that we face, the trials that we go through, they find their way into our lives or are even allowed by God to check our allegiances, our values, our confidences. When a trial comes into your life, it exposes what it is that you trust in or you value. If your car breaks down, you might find yourself totally at a loss because maybe you value your car highly or you freak out because you can't afford to fix it because your confidence is in your finances. Trials have a way of exposing what it is that we trust in and what it is that we value. And hopefully, if I find that I am valuing or trusting in something that is not God, well then, I'm given an opportunity to repent and to exalt God back to his rightful place in my life. Something to think about. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.